welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. Welcome back to Fracture Line, everyone. Today we have on Dr. John Edwards. Dr. Edwards, thanks so much for joining us on Fracture Line. Before we start, Dr. Edwards, please introduce yourself, a little bit about yourself, your practice, and where you currently are in your role. Sure. So I've been a thoracic surgeon, a general thoracic surgeon in, in US speak um, in Sheffield in the UK for 15 and a half years, so since December 06. The practice of a thoracic surgeon in the UK is predominantly kind of pleuropulmonary chest wall. So yes, yeah, so I've been a thoracic surgeon there for quite a while um, and um, I've, I've had various academic interests. Unusually for a thoracic surgeon, I did a, an oncology PhD, which was pure lab science, um, Western blots and immunohistochemistry and, and cell lines and all sorts of crazy stuff in malignant pleural mesothelioma. And, and I guess that was my, my first love. It's, it, that opened interesting doors and it still does. Um, so it is still a, a surgical interest of mine. And then obviously the, the, the chest wall side has grown and continues to grow and, and take more of my, my time, I guess. So I think as, as Sarah kind of pointed out so, as we were preparing for here, I, I think an interesting topic is really talking about the provision of care in the UK because it's different from the US structure. Well, well, focus obviously on thoracic trauma, but how does it fit into your trauma centers? How does that all work there in the UK? So so when I first heard about level one trauma center, I had no idea what that meant. Um, and I, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm nearly there. Um, but yes, it is, it is very different in the UK. So we are probably, I don't, I don't know the overall amount of, of healthcare that's provided within the state NHS system, but I should think for, for trauma, it is practically everything. And, uh, you know, perhaps there's a little bit of, you know, cold reconstructive work that's done in the, uh, you know, skeletal reconstructive work that's done in the private sector. But almost all of it is done in the state national health service that allows, you know, it has advantages and disadvantages. It, it, it makes it more difficult to introduce new things and to get new things funded. But then when it comes to things like setting up data and getting quality and equal access to care, it, it actually helps a big way. So I guess traditionally, um, going way back, the management of thoracic trauma was by cardiothoracic surgeons. I guess the history of, of thoracic surgery is, is entwined in cardiac surgery as well. So you know, before the days that they operated on the heart, surgeons did everything, didn't they? And I think that's probably the same in, in, in almost every country. And then in the 1960s, when cardiac surgery took off and the 70s and into the 80s, thoracic surgery was very much the the poor cousin of, of cardiac surgery and trauma, thoracic trauma was kind of, you know, just something done on a sideline. But for, for the centres where there were thoracic surgeons, it was always the thoracic surgeons managing the, the trauma cases. But we're set up in the UK with our thoracic surgery system with like a hub and spokes set up with, we serve a, a population of 1.8 million people. Um, and there is pretty much a geographic boundary around that. And within that, um, Sheffield itself is probably about 600,000 of that population. And then there are four surrounding smaller hospitals. 
and that feed into us for our, our kind of tertiary care. And the same is true for um, for all the other regions in the country. Um, the only place where it gets a little bit more complicated is, is actually London, where there are a lot of ivory towers hospitals in a very small area. Um, and, uh, and that means that there is a bit of overlap between the, the geography as to who goes where. So, so that was how it was in, in the old days. And it wasn't until early 90s that the idea of a major trauma centre um, got set up in the UK. Looking back, actually, for me, it's quite interesting because when I did my medical student elective, um, I th- the topic was a, a comparison of the major trauma system in Stoke-on-Trent in, in Staffordshire in the UK and Christchurch, New Zealand, of all places. And Stoke-on-Trent was interesting because it had the Department of Health pilot to try and establish what a major trauma centre would look like. And, uh, and it took another, what, 20 odd years from, from that time for major trauma centres to be set up properly in the UK in 2012. And that really was a watershed moment um, in terms of provision, because that meant that there was ambulance bypass from the district general hospitals, as so-called the trauma units. So even cities um, surrounding us that have a population of three, four hundred thousand people, they don't have a level one major trauma centre. The bypass is is to the, the, the nearest city, but it is only 30, 40 minutes away. So we don't have the problems of geography in the UK in terms of distance to the most part and and that means that we can then centralize the services into into larger larger areas so it's really in 2012 that that things started you know made a big difference and so we're actually just coming up to our 10th anniversary which i think is next month if i remember rightly and once the major trauma centers were set up in in 2012 we we started to establish a peer review process whereby we we were starting to to look at audit outcomes um and you know fairly basic to start with you know none of us really knew how many cases we were seeing or or the case mix and as part of that we started meeting and uh, and it was quite clear at that time that that for example with chest wall injury there was there were great differences in 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 what was being done and what wasn't being done but it was still pretty much um, a, you know, th- uh, traditionally a thoracic or um, organised service. And that then changed because with the major trauma centres, we have the issue of, again, of geography as to where they're located. So thoracic surgery hospitals in the UK were traditionally placed um, in the old TB hospitals from 100 years ago. And, and these were um, these were very much on the edge of town. And that's where traditionally the thoracic surgery units were established. But then as, as hospitals tended to get bigger, it was the city centre units that got bigger. So often we found over the years that we've been we've been kept apart from big emergency departments and neurosurgery and the other specialties. And that's actually provided a lot of challenges. So when you look at the co-location of major trauma centre and thoracic surgery in half of them, they're not even in the same hospital. And uh, and that poses then a, an issue in terms of how do you provide for um, major thoracic injury and, uh, and particularly w- with regards to the s- surgery thereof. You know, we had to work out, do we go to the patient? Does the patient come to us? How do we do that? Specifically, surgical stabilisation of rib fractures varies according to the different trauma centres around the UK. And in roughly about uh, just over half of them, it's thoracic surgeons operating alone. And in about a quarter, it is it is combined. Thoracic surgeons will go to the major trauma centre or work with 
orthopaedic trauma surgeons in you know in their own hospital and then in another quarter it will be orthopaedic trauma surgeons or in one one hospital vascular surgeons um, operating by themselves without any thoracic surgery presence so it's very different to what you might expect in in other countries but that's that's how it's been set up and poses challenges but overall what it's meant because there have been standards set up through the process um, and our our provision of thoracic surgery for or the provision of rib fixation perhaps and even things like you know regional analgesia is now all measured by the trauma audit research network our national trauma data bank that means that we can look at the provision of service in the different trauma centers and assess it against each other and, and see that actually despite the different models of provision we're all pretty much the same overall john if memory serves we met in 2013 i think in las vegas nevada how did you find your way there? Wow. I mean, the, my, my personal story, I guess, is kind of interesting in that as a new consultant attending, I was faced by one with one of my senior colleagues of, of this chap who was walking across the ward, who was still struggling with breathlessness. And you could see as he walked semi-naked, that he still had paradoxical motion two weeks after his injury. And he said to me, what well, do you think you can do anything about this? And I said, I think I might be able to. And just to rewind just a few months and my last days as a registrar slash resident, which was in Nottingham, the land of Robin Hood and so forth. I was going to ask if Absolutely. Little John was yeah, there. No, so, I, so Robin, Robin sure Hood is still there. So, so I, but no, so, so was it in my last few weeks as a, as a, as a registrar slash res, you know, chief resident, I guess, I remember seeing one of the intensive care unit nurses crashed her car on the way to work and came in, we repaired the ruptured diaphragm and we put a few ethibonds around the ribs on the way out because they were just a mess. And it all just collapsed in and she had terrible pain, terrible deformity. And I, I just kind of thought, well, never again. This was 2006. And that's when I read the, started reading about it and thought, well, actually next time we're gonna do something different. Um, and there was not very much in the literature. I mean, when we see it, see with the, the graph of, you know, the histogram of, of publications about chest wall injury it's just gone wild and 2006 there was so there was nothing really and I got swayed it was a paper by um, Didier Lardonard who's a Swiss surgeon um, who was in Bern and is now in in Basel um, which is a great place to visit he produced a paper in in when he was a resident um, in 2001 looking at using acetabular fracture reconstruction plates for for ribs Um, and it was only about 50 odd cases, but it was enough to arouse my interest. And um, so we started put together some, you know, this this guy, we put together a set and spoke to one of the orthopedic trauma surgeons who said, yeah, we can do this. I spoke to my father, who is a, an orthopedic trauma surgeon himself, who had also done thoracic surgery in the distant past. He hated it. And we, we kind of decided to give it a go. We had no knowledge of what we were doing, how to do it, any of that. And uh, it was very much a, well, let's just see what happens. So we did that case. And as part of that, we had to alert the equivalent of the FDA to say that we'd done doing something a bit left field. And uh, so the national, it's now called the National Institutes of Health and Social Care Excellence. NICE is what we call it. We, that we had to inform NICE that we were doing something that we believe hadn't been done in the NHS before. And we had I had to fill out a, if I remember rightly, something like a 20 page form of application to beg forgiveness for daring to do something different. And this then was taken up by an interventional procedure advisory committee, 
which was effectively a group of 12 wise men and women who would sit down and go through the application to do this and work out whether it was something that the NHS should support. And uh, and I distinctly remember that there were 11 people around the, the table and, and we had three meetings to go through this. And it was chaired by a primary care physician, a general practitioner, um, who had no knowledge of thoracic trauma at all. But he had gone through and presented an appraisal of the evidence as was, which wasn't very much, um, but did it really, really well. And so he was nice. Um, and, I, you know, it was it was quite impressive. And there were 12 people on this committee and there was one who dissented. And, uh, and he was a, a cardiothoracic anaesthetist um, from a unit in which I'd worked who basically said, well, this is this is complete rubbish. If we'd been if this worked, we'd have been doing it years and years ago. But unfortunately, it got forgotten. And if you go back into the textbooks of the 1950s, which I have done, um, even from the centre where this guy worked, um, from a professor of thoracic surgery there, it's there in black and white that they used to put plates and screws on broken ribs and or not plates and screws, but KYs, they used to fix chest in different ways. So it's so a nice said yes. And as part of that, they basically said that we needed to, to try and you know improve the technology. And that's where industry partners got involved. They got together and it was it was through Tom Abbotson that, that suggested that we get some of the Europeans over to that meeting in Henderson, Nevada. And that's where I guess it all started. That's when we started talking. So I don't yes. think Tom Abbotson's been given enough credit for that. He brought he, he really was the common denominator that got this started. Absolutely. And, and I, I he, you know, he did have the foresight to, to sponsor that meeting and to bring in Park City this time. You know, I just dug out the, the screen, you know, screenshot of that, the, the article that went in General Surgery News, which is the first attempt that we'd got to try and talk about what we were doing. And, and, and I, I, I certainly had never had that opportunity before. Um, I don't know how much had been done by the the true pioneers, um, you know, by the the, uh, the Bill Longs and the John Mayberries of, of the world. I don't know how much they had talked with other people about it, but certainly in terms of a concerted effort to establish links, without question, that, that meeting was instrumental. I think they uh, actually got laughed off the stage a few times, or at least uh, booed off the stage at the American College of Surgeons. I know that Dr. Long tells that story. So, so the timing was good for us, wasn't it? And it was exactly the same for me. So um, so we had, I, I, I got one of our, our residents to present to the Society of Cardiothoracic Surgery in, I think it was 29 or 2010, our first, and it was literally crazy. It was like our first eight cases because over the first few years, we, we just, we were, I wasn't saying I was scared, but it's like, who do I do? Who do I not do? And we weren't seeing the patients we didn't have a, any infrastructure to to identify and attract the patients in so it was just you know the ones that came to the door and we thought well should we shouldn't we and it took a while to get those first few cases together and exactly that we presented it at SCTS uh, and effectively the most senior surgeon in the room stood up and said this is a complete waste of time. They all get better. We did indeed get, get pretty much laughed off the stage. What was interesting was that there were four or five um, people that were in the room um, who whose ears pricked up at that. And you know some of them, Ed Black, um, Ian Hunt, and there were some others. And uh, and they, they thought, oh, there might be something in this. We talked after the meeting that we kind of, you know, exchanged a few ideas. We then had kind of, you know, the information technology to share some scans around the place and talk to each other. And we, we gradually kind of developed a little bit of a community in the UK to at least start talking about it. So that when we got to 2012 and the major trauma centres were set up, actually 
probably half of the major trauma centers had some form of rib fixation program going at that time. Our friend Ben Olivier in, 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 uh, in Nottingham, you know, Nottingham through some quirks of geography has, has a, if I remember rightly, something like 4.6 million people that it serves compared to our 1.8. So it's not surprising that they are without doubt the, the biggest major trauma center catchment area in the country and hence have got the biggest program. So, it, you know, things, things have changed a lot in the years for, for sure. And things are very different to how they were in the past and, and, and how they are in other countries. Well, John, it's been a, a distinct pleasure to work with you over the years, and uh, we have lots of interesting things ahead of us, I think, as CWIS expands to Europe. And we're going to invite you back, and we'll talk about that specific topic next sure. time. We need to hear Sarah's announcements, and then we need to get to our final stitch. So, Sarah? handful of things. It's called CryoS Study is back up and running. So if you are interested in the Cryo Study, watch for the newsletter as well as the email that came out. Um, so that you can sign up and, and get your name on the list. This will be through the University of Nebraska IRB. So at this point, you're just putting your basic information um, submission about, you know, kind of the number of cases that see on a regular basis, um, your name and contact information, et cetera, so that, that their IRB can start working with, with you or get in contact with you for you to connect your, your various individuals. So please watch for the interest survey if you're interested in the cryostat. Next one, the Mayo study. If you have not already participated, there's a study that CWIS is partnering with Mayo specifically under Dr. Brian Kim and, and some of his team. It's about the way we teach and learn about um, rib fixation and chest wall injury. So please watch for that study if you haven't already, um, or that that email. If you have not already responded, this is your chance. There are also some prize drawings available for $25 Amazon gift cards. So that's awesome. Um, so we we still need um, some more responses on that one. So please, uh, please watch your inbox for that one. Also, we have case review this coming Wednesday at 7 a.m. Mountain Time. Um, you know, you can figure out what, what time zone that looks like for you. We do have space for one more case. If we, we had someone who had to transition to a different month. So we do have space for one more case if you're interested. And we have space for two cases um, in the June case review. So if you have an interesting case you'd like to share we, we have some space for you and would be delighted to hear from you. So let me know. Otherwise, the, we had a terrific webinar this week by um, Dr. Drew Zebley, and the archive will be posted today, um, the archive version. It was yesterday, and the, the archive will be up today. So please watch the, the website for that, and then you'll also receive a notification about it. So it's, it's about publication tips and really outstanding. Um, so... Definitely want to check that out if you if you weren't able to catch it live. Well, I would just echo your comments about Dr. Zebley's talk. It was everything you needed to know about writing a manuscript is in that forty minute uh, dissertation. So if you if you're struggling or if you're anticipating a talk or you got a rejection and you you need to revise it, watch that webinar and I think it'll 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 serve you well. Time for the final stitch. I think uh, why don't we have Dr. White? You got a final stitch for us? I just can't get this vision out of my head of. Dr. Edwards asking his patients to walk around the ward without a shirt on so he can ascertain their pulmonary mechanics or their chest wall mechanics. I, I can't wait to try it. And uh, we'll, we'll give you credit. I'm going to call it the Edwards maneuver. So uh, thanks, John, for that.
Sure. Well, you, I'm going to I'm going to have a final stitch on that. Well, you do realize that the most important part in the armamentarium of a physical therapist is a safety pin. Cling the uh, the back of the gown together. <laughs> one size fits no one. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll go next. Uh, my final stitch is about you, Doctor Edwards. You know, I got to tell you, it was a, truly a pleasure meeting you at the summit. I felt like the energy you brought to the room and just meeting you was awesome. And I really appreciate your mentorship to me and uh, what you do. And and thanks so much for joining us on Fractional Line. It was a big deal meeting you for me. So thanks a lot. The, the most important he is kind of a he's kind of a big deal yeah most, he's a big swing and deal the most, the most important thing is that we're going to beat the dutch in the table tennis next time oh absolutely oh definitely definitely i i my final stitch first um dr edwards um i think you need to um up your game a little bit mr ian hunt has an entire website called the rib injury clinic he, but it is excellent it's a it's a superb resource without any question well, I, i've used it multiple times to show patients some pictures that it's a, it's a great it's a great website uh, and the second one as i started a couple weeks ago i i was i was delayed last time but so this week i'll talk about my son asa asa is my 11 year old he's just finishing fifth grade today he only has a half a day of school because that's what happens when you finish school early um he's um he's my son with down syndrome he is actually on the jewish community center's baseball team this year and he comes and plays um usually stays for about one inning gets up at bat and then says all done I'm very proud of him for getting up there and doing one. So uh, that's my uh, final stitch for for this week. My final stitch. This week on Sunday, I had the opportunity to spend some time at the Grand Canyon. And if you have not been, I would say you need to plan some time there. It is just my fave. So if you have not made your way to um, northern Arizona to see the Grand Canyon from one of the different angles, whether it's, you know, north rim, south rim, west rim, whatever that looks like, definitely, you know, find find a reason or find a time to, to be there because it is, you know, every bit the wonder of the world that you, that you have heard. Make sure you visit. Oh, the saga of the door continues. No. I, I couldn't leave without, you know, because I knew our viewers were, were anxiously losing sleep, wondering. I don't think so. You know, if, nope. you know what? Maybe, maybe they were. The door was delayed again yesterday, this time another month. So now they're trying to talk me into a different door that last time they told me was not as nice of a door so that they can just install the door. So that, that's, that's going well. So we'll, we'll see. I'm glad our, our listeners are caught up. I am. 